All right, good morning. For, the, uh, for those tuning in uh, on the website, welcome to Calvary Chapel. Um, my message for today is called God's Truth in Troubled Times. Uh, you can go ahead and turn your Bibles, if you have them, to 1 John, starting in chapter 5, verses 13. We'll start there. You know, we're living in some very uncertain times right now. We can, we can look at the printed news, the news on TV. We're just talking about Fox and CNN news. Uh, you can look at social media, and everyone's talking about this virus right now. Uh, fears are very, very much rising all around the world, and there are people who have never really had any kind of anxiousness or anxiety uh, are starting to worry about what's going to happen next. Uh, we have the schools are closed right now. Many, uh, tra- there's travel bans that are happening. Many events are canceled right now. So there's a lot of fear, a lot of anxiety, a lot of uncertainty that is happening in our world. Even as Pastor George just talked, we have the church is starting to shut its doors because of this virus, and we're having to go to different means to get the gospel out. Um, people starting to stockpile sanitizer and toilet paper. Toilet paper. I still haven't figured that one out. The hand sanitizer, I understand. The toilet paper, I don't. But people do unpredictable things whenever there is fear and uncertainty happening. They do a lot of crazy things. And in these uncertain times, the Bible assures us that there are some truths that we can hold on to in these troubled times. Truths that, that will, will definitely bring you comfort and will bring you hope. The early church was definitely no stranger to plagues and epidemics and hysteria. They had their own share. You can read about some of that in the book of Acts and some of the things that Paul went through. So they have experienced these uncertainties and these panics in their time as well. And we're going to be no different than the early church. We're going to go through our shares of ups and downs and our, un- our fear and our uncertainties as well. So in 1 John 5, the Apostle John directs believers' attention to five things which we can be certain about in this time of panic and chaos. Five truths that cannot be denied and will never change. The weather may change, the viruses may change, the struggles may change, but these five truths will never change. And I hope that this message today brings us a little bit of hope uh, in what's going on in this world right now. So if you have your Bibles, uh, I'd ask you to turn to John 5, and we're going to start in verse 13 with the first promise or the first truth that John is talking about, and it is a promise we have from God. So he begins in verse 13 of 1 John 5, and he says, These things I have written to you, who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. So here he's talking to believers. He says, as believers in Jesus Christ, we know that we have eternal life. So regardless of what the coronavirus may do, regardless of what our finances may do, we can know as believers that we have eternal life in Jesus Christ that there's no doubting that, regardless of what comes our way. We look at the early church, as I spoke about, and we've seen the, the, the trials that these apostles and the disciples of Christ went through. They went through being killed for the name of Christ, but that hope that they always had at the end was they would have eternal life when it was all said and done. And that's something we can hang our hat on. God has gone on record throughout his word, offering us eternal life. 
Uh, and when God promises you eternal life, he keeps his promise. He's a promise keeper. And there's several verses uh, that I'm going to give you today about how he promises this eternal life, but there's so much more than just what I'm going to give you today. So in John 3:36, he says, He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. And he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides in him. So if you have trust and belief in Christ, eternal life is promised to you. In John 5, 24, it says, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. So if you believe the words that Christ has has spoken to us about salvation, if you believe the one who sent him in, in God the Father, then you're going to have that eternal life. John 6.47 says, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. So throughout Scripture, he's telling this. And finally, the last one I have is Romans 6.23. It says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So throughout Scripture, he's given us that promise of eternal life if we place our, our hope and our trust in Christ. And that's something that we can hold on to because life has its ups and downs and empty promises. But God's promises are always full, are always something you can hang your hat on. And how do we know that? How do, how do we know that Jesus knows what he is talking about in Scripture? Because why? Jesus was died for our sins. Jesus died on a cross. The breath left his lungs. He was buried inside of a grave. He was wrapped in, in uh, his body was wrapped and put in a grave, and the grave was sealed. So he knows that what death is about. He knows what struggle and persecution is about. But guess what the Bible says after that? First Peter, Peter 1, 3 through 4 says, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope, the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. That should get us excited that he has promised this eternal life, that yes, we are all going to face death physically one day. But Christ was resurrected for us to where we may be step into eternity with him. That is a hope that we can be excited about and we can, we can rejoice over, and we should. Because in this time of confusion and time of fear and this time of uncertainty, the first truth in which we can be certain of God's promise, we can be certain that God has promised us, promised us eternal life. And that's the first truth that we can hang our hat on. The next one John goes on to tell us is that we can also be certain about our prayers. In verse 14, it says, Now this is the confidence that we have in him. And the him he's talking about is in Christ Jesus. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. So the second truth, which we can be sure, is that God hears and answers our prayers. 
And now more than ever, I think Christians ought to be praying more than panicking over what we are going through. And Pastor George made a good point about that earlier, that the first thing we should do is go to our knees in prayer. We should be praying at this time. Many of us may not be able to go to jobs right now. We may not be able to visit other family members because of uh, self-quarantining or, or not being, just not being able to go out because the government is, is mandating this. This is a perfect time to sit and pray and to get closer with the Lord. We have so much to pray about right now. We have our first responders out there that are on the front lines of this, whether it's police department, fire department, nursing staff, doctors, they're out there having to, to combat this. They can't self-quarantine. They have to be out in the front lines doing this. We can pray for our, gov- our government, our president, our local government here, our state government. We need to pray that the right decisions are made and the right actions are taken. Uh, we can pray for those who have already been affected by this virus and the struggles in their physical bodies they are going through right now. We can pray for those who are most vulnerable, those with underlying conditions, those with, who are uh, elderly and, and may have uh, issues that this could harm them very much. We need to be praying for them so we don't have a lack of things to pray for. And as Pastor George spoke earlier about praying with each other and keeping in contact with each other to see what each other's needs are, we need to continue to do that. So in uncertain times, it is essential that Christians choose to pray. And not panic, amen? And when we pray, we can be certain that God listens. We know that he hears us, and we know that he knows our hearts before we even pray. But it is so good to be able to just communicate with our Father. And I don't know about you, I've prayed for things in my life, but I haven't always gotten the answer I was looking for, or maybe it didn't seem like an answer at all. But I can guarantee you he is in the business of answering prayers. And there's usually three ways he likes to answer that. Uh, If the request is wrong, God's going to say no. He knows what is good for us. He knows what we can handle. And sometimes the answer is no. Sometimes if the timing is wrong, we have to wait. It's not time for for this prayer to be answered. You can't handle it right now, so we're going to wait. But if the request is right, the time is right, he's going to say go for it. And he's going to answer those prayers. So how do we make sure that everything is right? Well, John answers this. He says, if we ask anything according to his will, his will, we have the request which we have asked from him. So we have to pray in line with God's will, and he will answer our requests. You know, prayer is not about getting my will done in heaven but it's about getting God's will done here on earth. It's not about us. It's about God and what he has for us and what his plans are for this place. So to pray effectively, then we need to determine God's will. That's always someone's question. What is God's will for my life? And we've all asked ourselves that question. If If you are a believer, you have asked yourself that question one time or another. And to do that, we need to open our Bibles. Another thing Pastor George spoke about is a great time to start dedicating and and getting along with the Lord and learning what his will is. His will is written in this love letter that we have in our hands and right before me. His will is in this book. So if you want to pray along the, the lines of his will, pray along some of the lines that are in the Bible. Pray some of the prayers that are in the Bible. 
Uh, we was talking about the, the book of the prayer of Jabez uh, the past couple Sundays that I was able to preach. That is a good template for prayer. The Lord's Prayer, another great template for prayer. And you can go through and just pray the promises of God that he has in this word. Incorporate that into your prayer life. And you have time to do it now. God is slowing things down in this world. And he wants you to focus on him. So focus on him in prayer. So we can be certain about our promise of eternal life if you're a believer in Christ. We can also be certain about prayer. And the third thing we can be certain about is protection. John goes on in verse 18. He says, we know that whoever is born of God does not sin. But he who has been born of God keeps himself, and the wicked one does not touch him. Now, John is saying here that Christians do not sin, but I know me. I know I've sinned as a Christian. I know we all have our struggles, and we've done things that are contrary to the will of God. So what is he saying here? He is not saying that we do not sin because he says later, he said earlier in 1 John 5, 1, 8, that anyone who says that they do not sin is a liar. So we know that we all struggle with sin. But what he is saying here is that he has us protected and covered from the evil one. He has us covered from Satan who will try and disrupt our lives and to disrupt our belief. So you can say the Son of God protects them and keeps them. He protects us and he keeps us from the evil one. The Bible tells us that we have an enemy and an adversary called Satan, the devil or the evil one. And from the beginning, when he first came on the scene in Scripture in the Garden of Eden, he did what? He kept trying to deceive man into doing what was contrary to God. He tempted Eve with the the forbidden fruit. We had what? One thing that we should not have been doing in the Garden of Eden, eating from the tree. And the enemy made that fruit look so good and so delicious and tempted Eve, and she fell into sin. And the truth is that sometimes we fall for those schemes of, of Satan. We do sin, but John is assuring us that Jesus is bigger and stronger than Satan, and he's got our back. He is bigger and stronger than this coronavirus we're going through right now. And we have a promise of eternal life in him. We have promise of answered prayer through him, and now we have it through protection. So when we put our faith in Christ, he washed away all our sins, our past, our present, and our future. Those sins are taken care of. They were done at the cross. And we are safe from whatever Satan shows or throws at us. No matter the temptation, the trial, or the test, whatever comes our way, He's there to protect us. So Christ has set us free from sin and Satan. So even though we still mess up fairly often, the ultimate victory is ours in Christ Jesus. We're going to have our trials. We're going to have our stumbles here on earth. But the war is ultimately won through Christ Jesus. Amen. So we can be certain about our promise, our prayer, our protector. And fourth, we can be certain about our place. As he continues on in... First John 5, in verse 19, he says, We know that we are of God. The whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. But it says in that beginning part that we know that we are of God. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you are a child of God. And that is our position. 
You hold a precious, precious position. You hold a priceless position in God's eternal family. We're God's children. That, that should bring great joy to us. It is an incredible thing that God wants a family, and he created you and me to be part of that family. That is our position in him. In Ephesians 1.5, it says, Having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. It was his good will. It was his, his pleasure to be able to place us in his family. It brought him pleasure and joy to be able to place us in his family, and that's our position in Christ. We are, we are the children of God. We are heirs and joint heirs with Christ. That's who we are. And Christians aren't just called to believe. We are called to belong. We belong to the family of Christ. We are not to be long rangers. We are not to go about this, this faith walk alone, whether we are to be created as a community. And being a part of God's family is all about togetherness. It's about laughing together. It's about crying together. It's about dreaming together. And if you look through the Bible, it talks about us being joined together, built together, members together, heirs together, fitted together, we're held together, and we will one day be caught up together to go meet Christ. And that's our place. I think especially in times like this when we feel so isolated where this this room is empty of believers right now and we feel so distanced from each other that we need to find a way to come together. We need to find a way to be the body of Christ, whether it's through text mail, whether it's a text or email or phone calls. We need to be able to come together and share each other's burdens. And like I said earlier, we need to be able to laugh together, cry together, share each other's dreams with each other, in this time of, of, of struggle, in this time of panic, we need to do that. Because we are brothers and sisters and we're in this family together. Amen. So on the other hand, we look at the, the gift of family. And, you know, and, and we look at the physical family here on earth. And God has, has put that together. But the physical family here on earth, my mom, my dad, my sister, my cousins, my what have you, is still a fragile family. Often it can be broken up by divorce. It can be broken up uh, by distance, by growing older. And ultimately, the, that physical family will be broken up by death. But the place we have in this family, this spiritual family, our relationship with other believers will last into eternity. And that's why I think it's so important right now to talk to our family members that don't believe in Christ. Because I would love to have my own blood family come with me into eternity. And this is a perfect opportunity to share the gospel with them. They're scared and they're wanting answers. And guess what? He's given the body the answers. He's given us the love letter with all the answers in it. And we need to be able to share that with them. So finally, John gives us the last truth of which we can be certain. And that is, we serve the Prince of Peace. And in verse 20, he says, And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we may know him who is true, and we are in him who is true, in his son Jesus Christ. This is the true God and the eternal life. So we see here the word true used quite a bit inside this passage. And the words translated true or real means the original opposed to a copy. The authentic 
as opposed to imitation. Jesus is the true light, the true bread, the true vine, and he is truth itself. We need, if you want to know truth, know Jesus. That's what we have to do. He is the original. Everything else that comes after him is a copy. He, they are not the original. In short, Jesus is the real thing, and that's all that really matters. I heard a story by a pastor who uh, was talking about a junior high week they were having at a Christian camp. And uh, it's called a Christian camp. But many of those kids who went were not Christians, and many of those who were Christians at this camp were not acting like Christians. And there was a gentleman there who had uh, a handicap, and and that whole week they had just made fun of this uh, young man all week long. That seemed to be their punchline for the week to get their laughs and their kicks. And uh, they were starting to get towards the end of this week, and uh, the cabin would have a prayer time. And so the kids decided to volunteer this gentleman who had the handicap to pray. And they were doing it just to hear him stutter and, and struggle through his words. They wanted to laugh one more time. The young man got up to pray, and he, and he said just a few simple words. He said, I know Jesus loves me, and I love Jesus. And he was struggling to get that out. But instead of laughter, you heard silence. Then you started to hear the cry of some of the other boys that were there with him. Because the Holy Spirit used that gentleman, used those words to reach deep into their hearts and convict them. And people started to get saved at that moment. People need to know that you love Jesus. And ultimately, people right now need to know that Jesus loves them. And that he wants to be their Prince of Peace in this troubled and panic time. A lot of people, like I said earlier, they, they want answers. And Isaiah calls Jesus the Prince of Peace in Isaiah 9, 6. It says, when you know Jesus and you know that he loves you, and you love him, you can experience peace that passes all understanding, even in this midst of this global pandemic. So we are definitely living in uncertain times as we close out here. And in 1 John 5, the Bible gives us these five truths that we, we can stand on. It's a firm foundation to stand on. And we can be certain about our promise, our prayers, our protector, our place, and our prince. So when you feel overwhelmed or worried or anxious, remember these five credentials. Um, I'm sorry, certainties. Take refuge in them. You can know that you have eternal life. Jesus offers, offers eternal life. And if you would accept him as your Lord and Savior, he will forgive you of your sins and welcome you into his eternal home and his eternal family. So, yes, we know that we have eternal life if you are saved by Jesus Christ. We know that your prayers are heard by God. So if you are a believer, he is hearing your prayers. He is going to be answering your prayers. Just be patient. He has his timing. He has his ways of, of, of reassuring you and answering prayers. You can know that you have been vaccinated against sin and Satan. You know, Satan's going to come out to, to what? He wants to come out like a roaring lion coming to kill, steal, and destroy. But that's not what Jesus has for us. He's going to protect us through that. And ultimately, we win the war through Christ Jesus. Amen.
and you can know that you that you are a child of God, that you are are in the family, and you are not alone. Even in this time of of isolation, you are not alone. You have other believers that are loving Jesus and loved by Jesus. Reach out to them. Reach out to them on text. Reach out to them and, and call them, email them, what have you. See what they see what their needs are, and let's try and meet that need as a church. And you can know Jesus Christ, the Son of God and Savior of your soul. He can bring peace to this storm that we're living in. So if you don't know Jesus today, I would highly, highly recommend you start talking to him. Highly recommend that you would give your life to him. Because we're not promised tomorrow, we're not promised our next breath. He's the only one that can save save our eternal soul. And he's the only one we should put our trust in in this time of turmoil. Amen? Father, we thank you for these five truths, Lord, that you've put in your word today. That we can trust you, Lord, with the promise of eternal life. We can trust you with our prayers. We trust you as our protector. We trust you with our position in your family, Lord, and we trust you as our Prince of Peace, Lord, that brings us peace in times of uncertainty. And we just want to glorify you today, Father God, and that you would touch those who are watching, Father God, and minister to their hearts and soul, as well as us here today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.